On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Uh, This morning, I am piggybacking on our, our series topic, Get Your Head in the Clouds, Having a Heavenly Mindset. Uh, last Sunday, uh, Pastor talked about religious paths to heaven, and he began to talk about different religions and different ways that people think and ideals that they have concerning how to get to heaven. And it was very good. And we've been on this series about eight, ten weeks now. Um, But in the series, as I've been following on, there were two pictures that got my attention. One was a picture taken by the KTLA News, and there was a question that said, are you going in the wrong direction? And then you see the truck going down the freeway in the wrong direction. And then there was another picture that really piqued my interest, really got my attention. It was a picture of Matthew Emmons, remember? the Olympic archer who shot, uh, he had 10 shots and on his last shot, he hit 10 bullseyes and on his last shot he shot at the wrong target and went from a gold medal to no medal. Yes, that really got my attention. And from those two pictures, I would like to take a topic this morning and my topic to you and the thing I would like to leave with you is Lord, help me to aim and focus on the right target. Can you say that with me? Lord, help me to aim and focus on the right target. All right. Our text will be uh, from Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation. I want to get that, and I want to read that uh, with you. I want you to read along with me. Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2. It reads like this. Read with me, please. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Father God, in the precious name of Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to come before your people. I ask you to speak the words of life through us, the words of liberty, the words of freedom. Satan, I serve you notice that you're a defeated foe. You have no place in this place. Father God, I thank you for your glory that will fill each heart. Master, speak to us in ways that we can comprehend. Change us, rearrange us, do what you would in us. God, we thank you for your anointing. Bless your name. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Everybody said? All right, if you've heard me speak before, you know I like you to talk to me. So you're not going to sit on me this morning. I'm going to ask you to say amen to it, and I want you to say amen. So I'm going to say, say amen to this. What do you say? 
Say amen to this. Amen. All right. What does amen mean? It means, Lord, I agree. Lord, I accept your word. Lord, your word is true. So when we say amen, we're saying, God, feel your word. Fill me with your word. I accept your word. We're saying yes to the word of God. So you're going to hear me say, say amen to that. Amen. All right. <clears throat> All right. Praise God. <clears throat> this <clears throat> is a picture of Kendall Ellis. <clears throat> In 2018, she was a member of the USC Women's 4x4 Meter Relay Team. Uh, and they actually won a national championship. In preparation for today's message, I'd like you to watch this video of a race that she ran in while competing in the NC2A National Championship in year 2018. Pay attention. USC is in black. They will be in lane five. She will run the anchor leg. Video, please. <clears throat> Carol Smith Gilbert told me her USC Trojans, if she had to sum up this season with one word that set the tone, it would be commitment. And after watching their men run the four by four yesterday, the ladies couldn't not be inspired. So Kentucky will be in three, Oregon in four, USC in five. On your mark. Kentucky won the conference championship, which is a big brag for the Wildcats just a month ago at Knoxville. <clears throat> Florida was second in that race. LSU third. Those are the three SEC teams in this four by 400 meter relay finals. Purdue brings a very strong team here as well. Looking at Faith Ross, the leadoff runner for Kentucky. Sydney McLaughlin is slated to run third. From the inside, Ohio State, Florida, Kentucky, then Oregon, USC, Purdue, and on the outside lanes, Baylor and LSU. They will stay in their lanes, of course, through the first full leg. Hand off the baton, and the outgoing runner will stay in lanes through the curve and then break for the pull on the backstretch. One of the most amazing races, and I love that it's last, because no matter if you have five people in the stands or 5,000 in the stands, every single one of the team's individual performers, men and women, are lined around the track, and this place just goes bananas in this event. So watch for the handoffs as Brianna Disrosi of Oregon is running a great leg for Oregon and for Purdue. Chloe Abbott running well for them. Oregon passes first, then Purdue, then LSU. And a terrible pass and a really tough leg for Kentucky. They are well back. Purdue brings in a veteran squad. When I talked to their coach, Lonnie Green, he said, we may not have had the names coming in when they were freshmen, but now that they are juniors and seniors, they have developed into a unit. There's one unity there. It's not four individual runners. He's done a fantastic job with his sprinters. They have had a great showing here at the national championships. Boy, I don't know what happened with Kentucky. They are well back. They're in sixth place and not making up a lot of ground. Jasmine Camacho Quinn carrying the baton for the Wildcats. Purdue lifting nicely in the finishing stretch with Brianna Thomas. Here comes USC. And USC now moving from 
third, trying to move to fourth. Anna Cockrell doing a good job. They are still in fourth, though. Remember, they've got to win this race to win the team title. Sydney McLaughlin is going to certainly improve Louisville and uh, Kentucky's chances, but she is way back. They're at least 40 meters off the lead and currently in sixth place. Oregon running very smart down that backstretch, but here comes Ohio State making a move on the backstretch. It's Purdue and Oregon. Vanessa D'Arpino of Oregon making a nice move, trying to come up to Purdue. For Purdue, that's Simone Black. And look at Sydney McLaughlin. She's raced him into fifth place and closing. Wow. Her split's going to be interesting. Oh, and USC bobbles the baton at the pass. And that puts Kentucky in fourth. Oh, SC passing on the inside. I'm not sure if that was uh, incidental contact necessarily, but Purdue is winning this race so far. Jenea Mitchell for Purdue on the anchor. Kendall Ellis for USC now into third for Kentucky. That is K.L. Clark. K.L. Clark, a great closer for Kentucky, and I just don't know if Purdue is going to get caught. Now, there's no way it's going to unless they drop the baton. Purdue's going to win this, which we certainly didn't see. Here comes SC. USC oh is not going to catch Purdue, I don't think. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Look what's just happening. USC wins the women's team oh title in the last year of the 4x4. Unbelievable final leg by Kendall Ellis. 50.0 on the split. I almost had a heart attack. Well, it just doesn't <laughs> get better than that. The wow. only team in the race that can win the team title. Georgia has to be in shock at that outcome. That is a carbon copy of what happened last year. It was snatched from Georgia by Raven Rogers of Oregon last year, and Kendall Ellis just won the team title for her team. I have no idea what happened to Kentucky. Look way back there. Faith Ross just had a terrible first leg, and that doomed the Wildcats. Second exchange coming in. Purdue had had the lead the entire time. Oregon, Ohio State, USC was fourth on that exchange, and then coming into the final, they bobble the baton. Look at the tripping in the middle in the black by USC. Here's the pass inside by Kendall Ellis. And you just have to see if there's any impediment at all with Kentucky. But she runs 50.0 and walks yeah. down Purdue to win the 4x4. Four four. Wow, that oh, was an incredible Lord. leg. Okay. Did you enjoy that? That was awesome, wasn't it? Praise God. So, Lord, and this is going to be our first feeling, Lord, help me to aim and focus on the right target. I've got to move because we're running out of time. Aim means to point. <clears throat> focus, when we think about focus, we're talking about to pay attention to, to concentrate with extreme intentionality. 
Why are we talking about focusing? Why are we talking about paying attention? Because we're talking about the race of life. We're talking about life and this race that we're in. And it's very important because our life and what we focus on and what we aim at, <clears throat> we need to be very intentional because it has eternal ramifications. In other words, the things that we think about and the things that we aim at and the things that we focus on are going to be, uh, have rip, a rippling effect in eternity. And all of us are going into eternity. And so the things we think about and the things we focus on, the things we pay attention to, and the things we pursue are going to take us into eternity. When we talk about a target, we're talking about a goal. We're talking about your goals, your objectives, your end game. I like to call it end game scenario. When a writer, a movie writer writes a movie, he know, he or she knows how that movie's going to end. Uh, they'll take you through very many highs and lows and all kinds of scenarios, but in the end, they have an end in mind. Do you have an end in mind for yourself? Where do you want to end up? What is your focus? What is your end game scenario? How do you want your story to be written? How do you want your story to be read? It's up to you, and you have to decide, and your decision has to be one of intentionality. Evidently, there's a right goal, there's a right target, and there's a wrong target. The Bible, in chapter number 16 of St. Luke, talks about, or Jesus tells a story about a rich man and a guy named Lazarus. He said the rich man lived sumptuous every day. He, he was dressed in fine linen. In other words, he pursued riches he pursued uh, prestige and fame, and he wanted to look good, and Lazarus was barely making it. He was a beggar. He had to beg at the gate of the rich man, and the Bible says that he was afflicted, and he had sores, and the dogs would come and lick his sores. The man would, just wanted to make it. He wanted to uh, just make it, and their attentions were on, on two different things. The Bible, <clears throat> in Colossians chapter number 3, verse 2, tells us, instructs us to set our affections on things above, not on things of the earth. That word affection in the Greek text is, is pronounced pronio, pronio. It means your mind, your way of thinking, the things that you're interested in, the things that you're concerned about, the things that you care about. Colossians 3, 2 in the Amplified Bible tells us to set your mind or keep your focus habitually on the things above heavenly things, not the things that are on the earth which have only temporal value. My question to you, or my statement to you, and this is the second blank, we should be more focused concerning heavenly or eternal things. Yes, we should be more focused on heavenly or eternal things. Say amen to that. Amen. Should we be more focused on heavenly or eternal things? Say amen to that. We're going to talk about this further. I'm sorry I have to go fast because I would like to get into this. My question to you, my question to me, my question to us is what are your goals? What are your objectives? What are you focused on? Are you focused on your career? Is that the most important thing in your life? Are you, are you, are you focused on your education? Could it be money? Could it be your retirement? It could be cars. It could be a mate. It could be school. It could be politics. It could be civil rights. It could be your pet. What is your focus? What are your objectives? What 
does your end game scenario look like? I'll tell you what I would love for my end game scenario to be. First, I want to have a real and personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if I don't have a real and personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, I have nothing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Say amen to that. We should have a real, listen, when I say real, I'm talking about an everyday, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. We should not just hear about Jesus. We should not just know about Jesus, but we should know Jesus and he should know us. In other words, we have to come to Jesus every day in the consciousness of our mind, through prayer, through word study, as pastor tells us in our, in our groups, our home groups, our community groups, in our, com- men, our common men groups. We need to go to the table. We need to sit down with the word and we need to sit down with ourselves and we need to have these conversations with us, open ourselves up before God and have those personal, intimate relationships with him. That's what I want first. Number two, I want to see his face in peace. The Bible tells me I won't see his face in peace unless I have that relationship with him. Because there's a scripture in Matthew, I believe it's in chapter number seven, where he says uh, there are people who have preached for him, people who have healed for him, people who have done many miracles, signs and wonders, and they're going to knock on the door and he's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. So the personal and the intimate relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing that I can possess or that I can strive after, that I can aim at to have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ through his word and through fasting and through prayer. And then walking that out. And number three, I want to hear him say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I, 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 I want those words more than anything else. I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And for me to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, it, mean, it helps me go through my trials and tests. It helps me go through tribulations. It helps me walk with him when times are tough. I keep thinking about, well, what do I want more? Do I want this or do I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? What do you want more? What's your end game scenario? You have to be very intentional about it. I love what pastor brought to us with this theme, get your head in the clouds. I'm going to say this, and this is our third mark, this is our third write-in. Get your head in the clouds is an alert, a warning, a clarion call to check up, to focus up, and to finish up. To check up on our lives, to check up on what we think about, to check up on what we focus about, check up on what we're, you know, to see if we're really walking the Word, if we're really who we say we are, if we're really acting like we're His children. Or if we're trying to, sometimes we won't act like his child. It doesn't mean that we're not his child. I said that because the enemy will tell you you're not his child. If you do something or say something that is not like his child. My mom's name is Mrs. Robinson. Mrs. Robinson taught me to say please and thank you and open the door for older people and do all kinds of polite things. Have I always done it? No. But that still does not negate the fact that I'm Mrs. Robinson's son. Ah, you get it? Say amen to that. So even if you act from time to time not like his son or like his daughter, you are still his son. You are still his daughter. Say amen to that. I said you are still his son and you are still his daughter. Say amen to that. All right. So God, God has, 
has given, has put a call in our life. He's put an assignment on our life. We are his children. We are valuable to him. And because, because of that, we have an enemy. Our enemy is the devil. Some call him Satan. In the beginning, he was called Lucifer. In Revelations 12 and 10, Jesus calls him the accuser, the accuser of the brethren. He comes to heaven. He comes to the high place and he accuses us day and night before God. Every time we make a mistake, every time we say something or do something that's not like his child, he says, well, see, they should come to hell with me. Jesus says, no, no. He's not going to hell with you and your, and your angels because on July 11th, 2021, she gave her life to me. Say amen to that. Yeah, on July 11, 2021, he gave his life to me, so I covered him with my blood, and through my blood, I don't see their sins. I don't see their shortcomings. They're mine now. Huh? Say amen to that. He calls him the accuser of the brother. In 1 Peter 5 and 8, he calls him the adversary. Peter does. In John 8, 44, Jesus himself, while teaching, calls him a murderer from the beginning. He calls him a liar, the father of lies. In Matthew 13 and 19, he calls him the wicked one. His character is slanderous. It is deceitful. It is cunning and he's subtle. In Ephesians 4, 27, in the New, in King James Version, Paul tells us to give no place to the devil. What does he mean by give no place to the devil? Don't give him no room. Don't dialogue the devil. Some of us talk to the devil. Come on now. Say amen to that. Some of us allow the devil to talk to us. See, he talked to Eve. Eve, listen, listen. He is, he is, a, de he is a deceiver par excellence. No one is better than him at deceiving folk. No one is better than him at lying. So the Bible says, don't give him any place. Cut him off. How do you cut him off? Hmm? We're going to talk about that in a second. His objectives are to hinder, to ensnare, to tempt, to oppose, to deceive, to destroy, to distract and frustrate the purposes of God. And he wants to distract God's people. That's his, that's his main MO. I believe, I really do. I believe today, I believe today that his MO, his main MO is distraction. You see, I believe, that, I believe the 20th century and the 21st century, he knows he can't get us to just outright sin. But what he can do is he can get you busy and he can keep you busy so that you never spend time here and here. And if you don't go here and here, you're never able to walk with God. You're never able to find out who he is. You're never able to develop that relationship with him. You're never ever going to mature spiritually, and that's fine with him. He don't mind if you come and hear the word. He'll help you get ready for church. He'll come sit next to you in church. He will. Say amen to that. He will come sit next to you. He doesn't care if you hear the word. He cares when you start doing the word. Come on now. He cares when you start doing the word. He cares when you start going to that table and you start exposing yourself to the mirror of God's word. And you start, you have a mind that I'm going to let this word transform me. I'm going to let this word change me. 
He cares when you start praying. He got to back up now because you start calling on the name of the Lord. He got to get back. He said, oh my God, he is a threat. She's a threat now to me. And then here come the trials and the tests. Why? Because you're a threat. You're an enemy and you professed it and you proclaimed it. Now you're living it out. Some of you are going through tremendous trials and tests right now. Let me encourage you. Don't, don't be discouraged. The enemy only picks on his enemy. He only comes against his enemy. If he's coming against you, you have trials and tests, you have challenges, that means you're on the right side of the word. Say amen to that. You're on the right side of the word. That's why, that's why Peter says rejoice when these trials and tests come. Come on, say amen to that. Don't, don't get sad, get glad, get happy. It's a good thing. It means you're in the war. It means you're in the, you're in the fight. You're doing your thing with him. You've partnered with him. And the enemy sees it. All of heaven sees it. All of hell sees it. And your neighbors see it. And your family sees it. Praise God, you're in the war. Say amen to that. Right. I hope I'm helping somebody this morning. All right. So I believe that his his strategy in the 21st century is to distract us, to draw us away from what God would have us to do. The Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 11 says, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So I'm going to play with this word. The devices he used today mainly are our smartphones. I'm serious. Our cell phones, our computers, our TVs. You hear what I'm saying? As of today, as of the 1st of July, it is is projected that there are 7.9 billion people on the planet. 5.2 billion of them have mobile devices. Did you know that? That's 67% of the world is connected digitally. What do you think the enemy is doing? He's projecting these messages. Look how some of the messages we see and hear on TV and on our phones are being projected. Every time I turn on a TV or commercial, I see some crazy commercial. You know what I'm talking about. Promoting some alternate lifestyles and things like it's normal. This is going on across the world. He's calling right, 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 wrong, and wrong, right in his devices, with his devices. You have to be careful what kind of phones you give your children. Don't give them smartphones. I'm not against the devices because I use them. They're they're needful for today. And we can use these devices to promote the gospel. But when you give your child that smartphone, you're opening your child to the wishes and the whims of the enemy in the world in today's society. All the Bible classes, all the Bible school, and all the love and all the grace and all the values you're teaching your children, when you give them that smartphone, you just open them up to the mores of this world, and they are against the mores of God. And while you're asleep, and while you're working, your children are being preached to on this cell phone, on this computer. 
what the enemy wants them to hear and know and think. Opposite of what we teach. I hope I'm helping somebody, seriously. The Bible said we're not ignorant of his devices. So how do we defeat him? Because the Bible tells us in 1 Peter, 1 Peter, chapter number 5, verse 8 and 9, he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist in the faith. Faith? Faith in what? Faith in the Word, God's Word. We got to put the Word on him. If you, if you look at the book of Luke, the fourth chapter, or the book of Matthew, in the fourth chapter, when Jesus came out of the wilderness, the enemy began to tempt Jesus. Jesus said, for it is written. He put the Word on him. That shuts the enemy's mouth. Do you hear what I'm saying? It shuts the enemy's mouth. In Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 17b, he tells us to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In Ephesians chapter number 6, verses 10 through 18, he begins to talk about putting on the whole armor of God. But the only offensive weapon spoken of in those clauses is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. It is what we fight with. The rest, of the, the rest of the armament is about defending you. The shield, the helmet, the breastplate, all this other stuff is defense. But the only thing you can fight with is the Word of God. It's how you back him up. It's how you back him down. It's how you shut him down. It's how you shut him up. It's how you get him off your kids. It's how you get him off your finances. It's how you get him off your life. You fight with the Word of God. That's why it's important to learn the Word of God, to digest the Word of God, to be actually become the Word of God so the Word of God begins to flow out of you. Yes. Say amen to that. Yes. yes, we have to eat the Word of God. We have to devour the Word of God. We have to manifest the Word of God. We have to get before the Word of God. Open up our hearts to the Word of God. In, the, in, in Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 12, in the King James Version, it says the Word of God is quick and powerful. In the New Living Translation, it said the Word of God is alive and powerful. In the Amplified Version, it says the Word of God is living and active. David says in Psalms 119, 11, he said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It keeps you from sinning. It keeps you accountable. In Colossians, Paul writes in the third chapter, verse 16, he said, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let it pour out of you richly. Let it bubble up out of you richly. Yeah. Romans chapter number 12, verse number 2, in the Amplified, it says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with the superficial values and customs, but be transformed or changed, progressively changed, as you mature spiritually by renewing your mind. How do you renew your mind? With the Word. You're renewing it, renewing it, renewing it every day. Because every day you get hit by the vectors and the arrows and the spears of the enemy. You have to get at this table and renew your mind every day, regenerate it every day. Focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect and his plan and purpose for your life. In Hebrews chapter number 12, we go back to our lesson text. Paul says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight 
Mm-hmm. That slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. And he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in a place of honor besides God's throne. Here was Jesus' goals, objectives, and end game scenario. He was able to do all that. He was able to go through the cross. He was able to take that suffering because he had an end game scenario in mind to sit at the right hand of the Father and to provide salvation for you and I. Let's reflect back on this race, this USC race with Kendall. You saw how far back she was. USC, they, I mean, they were up against tremendous odds. She was back 35 or 40 meters. In the 400, that's, that's a group of seconds. That's a lot of time to make up. Not only did she have a lot of time to make up, but typically you put your best runner last, so she was running against their best runners. It looked bleak. It looked hopeless. But by faith, by faith and by hard work and focus, she was focused on that finish line. She was able to bring them back from the depths of hell because they was in the depths of hell. Listen, listen to me. I've run this race. I, I was a track guy. I've run this race. I, I hated that race because it's the last race of the day. And you've already run three or four events. And the quarter mile is no joke. You have to be a horse to run it. By the time you get through running your leg, every muscle in your body is crying for fresh oxygen. Your neck hurts. Your back hurts. Your leg hurts. Everything on you hurts. The baton feels like it weighs 100 tons. This weighs less than an ounce, but by the time you get through that quarter, you like you just you saw what she did when she bent over. She did it like this. <laughs> you want to get rid of it. It hurts, and you know it's going to hurt. But she went through all kinds of obstacles. They almost tripped and everything. Listen, when you look at that race and you hear these verses, compare that to your life. There are going to be obstacles. There are going to be challenges. You're going to hurt. There's going to be pain. There's going to be disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, running. Keep running. Keep your focus on the right things. Yeah. Who we focus on? Jesus Christ. Amen. What he did and what he's doing in us. Yeah. Carrying this baton, running this race of life is something that's tough. We all go through it. We all have these challenges. If you're not officially in the race of life, I want to welcome you to the race of life. And I'm going to ask you to pass the baton. Life makes us tired. Life sometimes discourages us. The trials, the test of life, the challenges, the tribulations, our children, our jobs, our cars, us. become heavy. Today you can pass the baton to someone who wants it. Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus Christ the righteous is waiting. He's waiting to take this baton from you. I'm going to draw your attention to the book of Matthew chapter number 11, verse 28, 29. It says, Jesus said, Come unto me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, let me have that baton. Pass it to me. Take my yoke upon you mm-hmm. because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden I give you is light. Jesus this morning is waiting to take the baton from you. You may be tired, weary, discouraged, at the point of giving up. Maybe you've already given up. Maybe today was your last ditch effort to find hope. Let me tell you, God is here. He's calling for you. He's waiting for you. And he's asking you to pass the baton. Give it to him. He said you'll find rest in him. He's asking you to make the great exchange. Make that exchange with him. Give him your sins. He'll give you his righteousness. Give him your weariness. He'll give you his rest. Give you Give him your hurts, he'll give you relief. Let's bow our heads. Someone needs to make that exchange this morning. Every eye shut. Father God, we thank you. Your son, your daughter is here in this house this morning. They're waiting, they're ready to make that exchange. The baton of life has become heavy. They've turned every way. They've looked up, they looked down, looked all around and they can't find peace or rest or happiness or joy or peace. God, you're offering peace and joy and happiness and rest this morning. I pray, God, as we make your invitation that they will receive you. And I know you're waiting to receive them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. 